Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jared Lons. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter Church. And uh, I'm so glad that you're here with us today. If this is your first time with us, or maybe you've been coming just a couple of times, I want to say welcome. Thank you so much for coming back and uh, spending your day with us. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, I'm grateful that you took some time out of your week to hear uh, what I believe God has uh, to say to us today. Uh, we are finishing up our Anatomy of Worship message series that we've spent the entire month of February kind of talking about this concept of the body and how God has asked for us, really desires for us, that we would worship Him, not just with our songs, but with every part of our bodies. And that comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And I wanted to read this. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a holy and a living sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. And then it just kind of puts an asterisk on it or a point there and says, this is truly the way to worship him. So God points out very early on in Romans chapter 12 that worship truly is a lifestyle. It's not just, you know, what we sing. So we spend this month talking about our thoughts, you know, our mind and how we, what we think and how we can think and worship God. We talked about our mouth, the way we speak, the words that we choose to use when we speak to other people, lifting up the name of Jesus, but also worshiping him and also speaking to other people and building up in relationships. Last week, we talked about our hands really being the things that we touch, you know, the decisions that we make, the, the ability to use our gifts that God has given each one of us to worship him. Like he made each one of us to be something special and unique. And it's not just to meant to be just just sit there. It's meant to be used to, to edify and build up other people and also to worship God. Well, today we're going to finish up our series with uh, how can we worship God with our feet? And typically feet is something most people don't like to talk about. When they think about feet, they're like feet are gross. Feet are kind of weird. They look kind of funky. Um, we're not going to spend a lot of time as far as the anatomy of the foot, but um, the concept of feet, I wanted to just jump in real quickly here and just kind of dive right in. It says, our feet represents the direction of our lives. So if our hands were the things that we touch, you know, the things that we do, our feet are the things that allow us to walk, right? So that is the, the feet today are going to represent the direction of our lives and the choices that we make that ultimately lead us along. And so the question is, is how can we worship God with our feet? Well, I did want to say that the concept that I want to kind of give you is, is of a sailboat, okay? Think of a sailboat and how on a, on a boat there is a huge sail, and on that sail, the sail is what determines the direction of where the boat goes, okay? So you don't just get to your destination by turning the sail one direction. You actually have to tilt the sail various ways in order to go where you want to go, to navigate around rocks or to be able to take different places through different channels or wherever you want to go, right? The wind is what pushes the sail, but in order for it to go somewhere and ultimately get to the destination, it takes a variety of small adjustments. And this is kind of the idea of today is that as we move through our lives, our feet take one step at a time. And every, every step that we take sort of determines or alters the direction of our life and ultimately where we're heading and what we're going to be doing. So how do we know where God wants us to go in our lives? Well, Psalm 119, 105, it says this. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a guide 
a guide for my feet and a light for my path. So it's this imagery that's just shown right there is that our purpose in life ultimately comes from God. And it's, he's drawing this image of, of a person who's walking in a dark path. Imagine walking through the woods at night. You would have no idea where you're going. How would you know where the path is leading you? It says God's word is a light for our path. It's a guide for our feet. So we can know where God wants us to go in life as we stay connected to him in his word and through prayer and through just spending time with him. So our big idea of the day is this, and it's going to guide our entire message, is we worship God by going where he tells us to go. Now, on, uh, in your program that you received when you came in, you have some notes there. I encourage you to take this out because I believe that today's message is going to be an impactful one for you. I have been praying all week that God would use this message to speak to each person's heart and that it un- unlock something inside of you. Because here's the thing. I really truly believe that we live our lives one step at a time But over time, we begin to kind of just go through life and forget how far we have come. And sometimes we take stock of where we are and we look back and we go, how did I get here? How did I get to where I am right now? Maybe you're in the middle of a problem situation. You're looking at yourself like, how did I get into this financial mess? Maybe you're in a, in a relationship issue with your husband and your wife and you're thinking, we're on the rocks in our marriage. How did we get here? There could be a number of things in your life, decisions that you have made, then you look back and you say, man, I wish that I would have done that thing. And if you were to look at your life, you would say, I certainly didn't make that decision all at once. This is a result of the decisions and the steps that I have taken in my life. So we worship God by going where he tells us to go. That's the underlying concept here. And we're going to study from a, from a, a man in the Bible that maybe some of you are familiar with, but it's just an incredible example of this concept is a man named Jonah. Raise your hand if you ever heard of Jonah or heard of Jonah and the whale. That's probably even more so common. Jonah and the whale, almost everybody. But I don't know if you've ever really read the whole story. It's only four chapters. And so today there's going to be a whole lot of scripture. It's going to be a little bit different of a message because I'm pretty much just going to read it and kind of comment on it. But I'm believing that it's going to really make a difference. In fact, let's pray right now and ask that God would just speak to us. Would you pray with me? Father, as we open up your word and we learn about this, this man, Jonah, and the decisions that he made and the path of the, the life that life took him because of those things. God, would you speak to our hearts? Would you open up my heart? Would you open up the hearts of everyone in this room, God, to hear what you want to say to us? Would you shed light today? Would you just shine a spotlight on the things that you want us to see so it's so clear and that we can respond accordingly to it? We give you permission to do what you want today. God, have your way in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Okay, so we're going to read through this. I encourage you to pull out your Bibles or open up your tablets or your smartphones. The Bible app is the best app in the world. It's free. Download it and open it up. And we're going to read through Jonah. Okay, all the the verses are going to be on the screen, but we're going to go through this. Okay, so number one here. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Okay, so we have this man, Jonah, who's minding his business. He's doing his life, working his job. And then all of a sudden, God says, Jonah, I got a job for you. I want you to get up and I want you to go 
to this great city of Nineveh. Nineveh was a huge city, very similar to a Philadelphia or a New York City or a Los Angeles. It was a massive powerhouse of a city, okay? It was so big, we'll find out later, that it takes three days to walk through all of it, okay? At that time, that's a big deal. I mean, to take three days on foot to walk through a city nowadays is big. Back then, it was huge. So no, so Jonah is sitting there immediately thinking to himself, well, I was going to go to Chipotle today, but I guess I'm going to take a road trip to this other city. And he says, and God says to him, I want you to go and announce my judgment on it because this city is wicked. I mean, in a massive urban space like that, you're going to have all sorts of lifestyles. You're going to have all sorts of, of just people doing things. Crime is going to be high, in, 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 like in any major city. And so God says, I want you to go there and pronounce my judgment because I want them to see how wicked they are as people. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to say is this, is that God's calling in life brings direction. Okay, this is the first thing you need to understand. God's calling in life brings direction. Oftentimes, most of us will say, I've heard this so many times in my life, where people say, well, Jared, you're called to be a pastor. Okay, the word calling is a, is a Christian word that we use oftentimes, calling, which means that God says, I want you to do something. And it seems easy enough for someone like me, oh, Jared, you're a pastor, and you have been called to the ministry, but what have I been called to do? I'm not called to be in the ministry. And I think that's why we overemphasize the word calling, because really what it is, in this case with Jonah, yeah, God said specifically to do something. But it didn't have to do with his job. It wasn't like God said, I'm going to forever now send you to city, to city, to city, like an evangelist. God told Jonah to do one thing, one time, one day. And that's all he was supposed to do. So when we ask ourselves, well, God, what are you wanting from my life? What are you calling me to? It could just be simply, I want you to go start this business. Or it could be, I want you to be a better husband or a better wife. Or it could be, I'm calling you to start volunteering at a homeless shelter. Or it could be, I've seen how you live your life and I'm calling you to stop watching this television show or whatever it might be for you. God's calling is simply when he speaks directly to your heart or prompting in your heart about something that he wants you to do for your betterment, for your good. And the thing is, is that if you're struggling with direction, you're saying, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to, where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what decisions I'm supposed to make. If you're struggling with direction, know that God's calling brings direction to your life. If you have questions in your life, you need to be connected to God because he's going to give you direction because he's going to show you what to do with your life. God's calling brings direction. And I want to tell you this, is that his design in your life, in everyone's life, is always to restore. God's calling is always to, to heal. It's always to bring relationships together. It's always to draw people to his son, Jesus. If you want to know what is God doing in your life, if you're, if you're thinking, God, what do you want from me? And the options, on, the options on the table include things that are going to hurt people. They're going to push people down. They're going to break relationships. That is never God's MO. And it's not how he's going to work in your life. Read God's word and understand his principles and you'll be able to know his will in your life. So God calls Jonah and tells him to go to Nineveh. So God's call always brings direction in our lives. Well, let's continue in the story. Verse three. So you would think that Jonah would go, okay, God. But instead, Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Have you ever tried to get away from the Lord? <laughs> it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for a city called Tarshish. 
In other words, as far away as possible. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to the city Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, verse 5, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. We're going to skip to verse 7. Then the crew cast lots. This was a very common, very common uh, practice in the day where, where because they didn't hear directly from God, what they would do is they would throw dice and they would say that the gods would affect the outcome of the dice and that would sort of, you know, they would assign everybody a number. So basically they're terrified. The ship is about to break apart. They're trying to figure out who sinned against one of our gods. Who is the one who is responsible for this calamity that's going to, you know, affect all of us. So they assigned everybody a number. They threw the dice. And then it comes up with a number. So that's what it says here. Then the, the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. And when they did this, interestingly enough, God complied. And the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Verse 8 Why has this awful storm come upon us? They demanded, Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? It was like, What? What is going on? Who, what could you have possibly have done to cause this kind of problem in our lives? In verse 9, Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Verse 10, The sailors were terrified when they heard this. For, they, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. So apparently at this moment, Jonah is like, oh my gosh. I, I mean, I was trying to get away from God, but I assumed that whatever was coming my way would happen just to me. But the reality is, guys, I'm sorry. Like, God seriously wanted me to go here. I bought a ticket to go there. He caused this huge whirlwind and a storm to take place. And now all of us are involved in this. And so I'm thinking to myself, I mean, this is after all the cargo had been thrown off the ship. I mean, at this point, there's nothing left to do. So the sailors were terrified. And they said, oh, Lord, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Verse 12, Jonah said, throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. Jonah had realized at this point that This destruction was because of him. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. In verse 15, then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. I mean, at this point, it was us or you, Jonah. I'm sorry, man. Like, we got to live. I got kids at home. I need to live. So we're going to throw you into into the water here. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. In verse 17, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. All right. What a powerful story, an incredible story. I mean, I don't know if any of us have ever seen a whirlwind spring up in our lives because of a decision that we made. But maybe some of us could look back over your life. This is, where, this is where that moment where we prayed and asked God to shed a spotlight on our lives. Maybe you could remember or recall a time, maybe you're in one right now, where you, where you look and you say, 
There hasn't been a physical manifestation of a whirlwind, but there has been some destruction in my life. And I look back and it's my fault. I look at the things that have happened in my life. I look at the, the decisions that I made, specifically relating to, now you can say, maybe, maybe I ignored what God said in my life. Maybe, maybe I knew that God was wanting me to do this thing, but I did that instead. Perhaps there were a jobs on the table, two jobs, and you, you knew that this is the one, but the other one paid more money or maybe gave you more something that was just more comfortable. I don't know what it might be, but a situation like that or some other type of a situation where you felt like God was saying something, there was a prompting. Maybe you didn't, didn't even recognize it was God at the time. Maybe you weren't even following Jesus, but, but there was just something that was like, I think I should do this, but I decided this instead. I think all of us understand this, this, this feeling that I'm talking about. And now you look back and you say, maybe it's been a week later, maybe it's been a month or even years later, and you look at yourself and you go, I can pinpoint that decision as the one that has set this into my life. And I am not where I wanted to be. I didn't end up where I thought I should. So the next thing I want to say about this is that disobedience brings detours. Disobedience brings detours. There are consequences to the choices that we make in life. You know, we talk a lot about design here, the design that God has for our life. It is not like a robotic thing that God says, I want you to do this and then do this and do this. God gives us free will. But the design for our life, to, we always talk about aligning our will with what God wants. Will, the concept of will is about design. Do I trust God's design for my life or do I trust my own design for my life? The blueprint that God set out for the life of Jared involves A, B, all the way through Z. But if I choose to go, well, at, you know, when I get to this spot of F right here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over here and I'm going to create my own alphabet. And then, you know, I'm not guaranteed I'm going to end up back at Z. You know, the concept of a detour is that I had to take a different route than was originally planned for my life because of a decision that I made. And disobedience to God brings detours. He cannot take us into the place of blessing. He cannot take us into the place of of abundance, into the place of, of fruitfulness in our lives that he intends for us if we are not going to obey him. And if he tells us, son, I love you and I think this is best for you, this is the way that you should go, and we go, I think I'm gonna go over here, he'll be like, okay. And then he just, kind of follows us along and he walks along and then we cry out to him in our desert places and we cry out to him in our frustrations. God, why did you do this to me? And the reality is, is he's sitting there going, why are you blaming me? You took a different path than the one that I put in front of you. You did this. Our disobedience oftentimes brings us into detours of life. It's not even that we're saying that that like every decision that you made was the wrong one, but it's that it's not God's best for you. Sometimes the options are, yeah, you can, you can live a good life and you can have good things and, and that, but that's not God's best for you. He may have something else for you. We talk about it in relationships. That, that just because, you, just because you, you talk to this person over here, maybe in a romantic relationship, that perhaps it's like, I really want to be with this person, 
But maybe that person isn't the best that God has for you. Or perhaps if maybe you weren't in the right place in your life and you missed an opportunity, sometimes we oftentimes think that the person in our life, that that person might not be, I missed my soulmate, but that's not it either because in the end, God can redirect us. So sometimes the, the, the beauty of it is that God is faithful inside of the detours. He never leaves us alone. He's always with us, always with us. And it's all about alignment with God's heart. Jonah, Jonah immediately had what I like to call feet of fear. Feet of fear instead of feet of faith. As soon as he heard what God called him to do, Jonah said, I'm out. I am not going to do this thing, whatever it might be for you. Maybe there's somebody in the room right now who said, you know what? I grew up in church all my life and, and I felt like God wanted me to do this thing. Maybe, maybe you were in a youth group I don't know, I'm just sort of, this is coming to me right now, but maybe you were in a youth group and, and you, you felt like God wanted you to maybe be a missionary. Or perhaps God had put something in your heart, like a dream in your heart to do something like working for an organization that would, you know, like, like a world vision or some, I don't know, something like that. And you were excited about it, but then, I don't know, for whatever reason, you chose something else. You went to school for something else and you were living a life that is, you know, that may be good, but now as I say this, you, there's something pinpointing. something like just sort of, you know, that, that, that spotlight that's coming down from, from the Lord, I believe, that's just sort of saying, this is the thing. This is one of those things in your life. This is an example of it. It's a missed opportunity. I want something from you. I wanted something for you. And you had feet of fear and instead chose a different path. And it's taken you on a detour in your life. But it's all about aligning your heart with God. And Jonah didn't do that. Now, this is kind of like the Empire Strikes Back part of the sermon, you know, like the part where things get, like, they feel grim <laughs> and they feel like, you know, there's no hope in your life. And you're thinking, well, Jared, if, if my life is, has been a big detour or if there have been detours in my life, well, then what hope is there? Well, I'm so glad that you asked because Jonah, the story continues because God never leaves us in a place of, of being alone. He never leaves us in a place of destruction or a place of where we are lost forever. So Jonah is stuck inside of a smelly fish, stuck inside of this big whale. And chapter two begins with this. And it says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. And he said this, we're going to read just a little bit of it. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths and I sank to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. And then we skip to verse 10. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time in verse 2 of chapter 3. He said, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. Now, we're going to pause there for a second. Okay. Jonah is inside of this fish, and he writes this wonderful, like, poem, prayer. I don't know that I would have the focus of mind to be able to write something quite so eloquent and beautiful. But Jonah, in the middle of his disobedience, God preserved him anyway. In the middle of his 
non-alignment with God's heart, God still loved him. God still saw him. God protected him. And God still listened to him. Let's continue what happens. So as soon as he gets out of the fish, God repeats the same thing to him. And I believe this is something, this is, a, this is a nugget of truth here, is that we will continue to go through the same things over and over and over again until we listen to what God wants for us and learn to master our problems. Verse 3, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds in obedience, 40 days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest, the kings, to the least, the homeless, they declared a fast, which means that they gave up like eating for a period of time, and they put on burlap to show their sorrow. Verse 10, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. Now here's the point of that whole passage there. From the beginning of where Jonah was at until what we just read, repentance brings deliverance. Repentance brings deliverance. Now repentance, that's a word, that's an old time Christian word. What really means is turning around. Okay, so let's go back to that passage where Jonah was praying inside the whale. He says, I cried out to the Lord in my trouble. And he answered me, I called you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your storms. At this point, he's just saying, this is my situation. But then, then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. He turned in a different direction and said something new. I'm going to do something different now. That's repentance. And what happens? Verse 10, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Repentance. It's a, it's a saying, God, I'm sorry for the things that I am doing, for the things that I have done. It's not just saying, I'm sorry. It's I'm going to do something different now. Repentance means turning around. Jonah recognizes disobedience. It wasn't just enough for Jonah to say, well, I screwed up and I guess I'm going to live in this fish for the rest of my life. If that was his lot in life, then fine. But he, he called out to God and said, you have done all of this to me. I recognize that this detour of my life was my own doing and I'm sorry for it, but I will turn to you, God. I will turn my life. I will do what you ask of me if you would just give me another chance. And God, in his, in his ever-giving mercy and his grace, responds and says, Okay, I have been waiting for you to turn back to me for how long now? And so Jonah gets up, and God just says to him, Listen, do you remember that thing three days ago I told you? Or maybe it's in your case. Do you remember that thing I whispered in your ear five years ago? Do you remember that that moment that we had where you remembered what I spoke to you? Do you remember the thing that I said to you that you were passionate about and you've forgotten? You'll find that the dreams that God put in your heart long ago are still there if they're his. Because God doesn't speak something and it just disappear. God speaks something into existence because he wants it to happen and to become a reality. But he's also a gentleman. God is never going to force himself on someone He will always point the way to him and he will always keep the door wide open. But in the end, it's our opportunity, it's our choices that make us or break us. And the beautiful thing about this passage is that the repentance brought not only Jonah's deliverance, but it also brought the deliverance of other people. 
So in your life, whatever it is that God wants from you, wherever your feet are taking you. So when we say about what we worship God with our feet, we worship God by going where he tells us to go, right? That was the big idea of the day. Whatever it might be, it might be a job. It might be another country. Maybe there's a missionary in the house right now. Maybe there's, maybe there's someone who feels like God's calling them to participate in church work or in ministry work on a, on, a, on a more of a level. Not necessarily like what I'm doing, perhaps. But God is calling some of you in this room to something greater than what you have thought. And for some of you, this calling, it's, it's not even about what's great and what's not. It's because you are great when you just obey what God wants from you. In fact, God's word actually says it. It actually says obedience is better than sacrifice. The one thing that God commanded all his people to do, to sacrifice on the altar things, you know, the important things for them, he said, I would rather you obey me than to give me a meaningless sacrifice. So we obey God in our lives with our feet when we choose every day to find what God wants from us, to obey him, to be obedient, to align our will to him, to think of what is it, God, that you designed for me? What's your best for my life and how can I walk forward in that? And when you do that, not only does he deliver you from your detours, but he can also deliver other people in and around you. Jonah found his salvation and found out something about God because he obeyed God. But God originally sent him to Nineveh to destroy Nineveh. But in the end, God's plan really was to free them. It says God changed his mind. But in the reality, what we know of is that God, knowing everything, knew that if Jonah would just do what God asked him to do, that he would be able to bring salvation to not just Jonah, but to an entire city. And so our challenge today is this. Choose to walk on God's path for you whatever it might be. And I want this notion that, that is prevalent, that some people feel like, oh, well, you have a higher calling, Jared, because you're a pastor. No, I'm just getting paid right now to do this thing, but I would be doing it if I wasn't. And there have been times in my life where I wasn't, where I was just doing it, volunteering. I was in leadership at churches where I wasn't getting paid. I did it because I love it, because it's what God asked me to do. And you are just as obedient if you are the father you need to be, if you're the husband you need to be, if you're the employee you need to be, if, you're the, if you are working at the company that God wants you to work at, if you are willing to give your life and whatever it contains, the money you have, the, the, the resources that you have, the cars, the clothes, the opportunities, the skills that God has given you. This is what we were talking about, this whole idea the entire idea of this month, the anatomy of worship, is we worship God when we give him everything, when we give him our thoughts, when we give him our words, when we give him our talents, and we give him the ability to tell us where to go. We truly worship God with our entire being when we say, God, you have access to every part of me. Every aspect of my life that I would normally reserve to myself, I give you access to it and allow you to change me, allow you to direct me, allow you to guide me. And when we do that, that's when Romans 12.1 is truly fulfilled. This is truly the way to worship God, it says. So in Encounter Church, we are not just, we are not just a church that comes on Sundays and sings songs and hears a word. We're not even just a church that does that on Sunday and has life groups on, on Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays. 
We are a church that strives to worship God in every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year of our lives. At every moment, what is it that I'm doing in my life and is this what God wants from me because of what he's done for me, because of the love that he's lavished on us through his son Jesus? Choose to walk on the path that God has for you. And we can do this very practically by learning God's word. That next passage, verse 2 of Romans 12 says, as we transform our minds, we will learn to think the way that God does, and then we will know his will in our lives. When we start to align our thoughts with what God wants, we will know what God wants. And you do that by reading his word. Learn God's word in your life, and you'll begin to see his direction in your life. I would begin to compare options against Scripture. So this is the same thing. You know, it's one thing to know the Bible. It's another thing to not apply it. So it's important when you have options in life to compare it to God's Word, compare it to Scripture and to the principles it's teaching you. This job may make more money, but it's going to take me away from my family or, or it's going to require me to make decisions that maybe are not ethical or I don't know, whatever it might be. Compare your options against Scripture. I would say choose faith over fear. Sometimes the decision appears in front of you and then you have a gap that you have to jump over. I would encourage you to choose faith over fear. Sometimes God takes us on paths that look darker than the path that appears in front of us, but God's word is a guide and it is a lamp for our feet. He will always show you the next step is in front of you. Choose faith over fear. And just take it one one step at a time. Like I said with that sail, that sailboat, when you have the, the sail, each step represents a small adjustment that the wind can push. I encourage you to just take one step at a time every day. Just begin your day. God, what do you want from me today? How can I honor you? How can I worship you with my hands, with my mouth, with my mind, and my feet? Some days you're going to do a lot of walking, you know? Some days there's going to be options in front of you and decisions you're going to make. They're going to take your life into directions. In other days, it's going to be more so just doing the work that God's put you in with your hands and with your thoughts and with your mouth. But let's just take it one step at a time. Come on. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.